You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. A series started last week and we're continuing on, and the title of that series is called Spit It Out. Let's say it together, spit it out, spit it out. And the scripture that we're, we're basing this off of is 1 Timothy 2.1, and the idea of this sermon series is we're focusing on prayer. And we want to commend everyone who has a prayer life, who is praying, who is reaching out to God, who is communicating to God. But the heart and the intent of this sermon series is to help encourage you and hope enhance your prayer life. That we've been praying throughout our lives. And there's some things that we can show you in the scriptures that hopefully can help build upon that prayer life. Because we want to go, the scripture says we go from glory to glory to glory. And that's the goal of our Christian walk. We want to get closer to God. I want to be like Enoch where he's just walking with God and God says, hey, you're actually closer to my house than your house, so why don't you just come with me? We talked about last week how we want to have Bible experiences. The things that I read in the scriptures I want to have Bible experiences. I want to experience those things. There's things that the Bible tells me I can do, and I want to experience those things. And so we're talking about prayer, hopefully to help you in your prayer walk over the next month. And the scripture that we're using, 1 Timothy 2.1, Therefore, therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks or thanksgiving be made for all men. What did I say? Oh, 1 Timothy 2.1. I'm sorry. Correct me back there, Joshua. Get me in line. 1 Timothy 2.1. Therefore, I exert, first of all, that supplication, S, prayers, P, intercession, I, and giving of thanks or thanksgiving, T, be made to all men. Spit it out. So we talked about prayer last week, and we talked about, is prayer biblical? We decided that prayer was biblical, and if prayer is biblical, then it's something that we should be doing. And we see in this scripture that there are different ways of praying. So we want to talk about supplication today. Supplication is first on the list. It's an S, supplication. That word supplication in the Greek is desis. When you look it up in the concordance, desis, D-E-E-S-I-S, desis. So what is a supplication? It is a need or a want. It is a seeking. It is an asking. It is an entreating. It's an entreaty to God or man. So we see that the first thing that Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, when it comes to prayer, is to pray prayers of supplication. Your needs, your wants, the things that that you need. Isn't it refreshing to see in this first scripture that the first thing that God mentions is that he wants you to pray for the things in your life. He wants you to pray for yourself, for the things that that you need, and not only the things that you need, but also the things that you want. Because let's be honest, God knows us. He knows our personality. He knows who we are. And if we're being honest with ourselves, humans are pretty selfish people. And God highlights the very first thing. He says, I understand that that we as humans are selfish, so go ahead and pray for yourself first. Let's go ahead and get that taken care of. Supplications, your needs and your wants. Because we as humans, we're selfish. We just did a baby dedication, and the baby doesn't speak yet, but has he said thank you to you once? (laughs) 
he just screams whenever he wants something. My wife is a, a month out from having our second child, and I guarantee you, because I didn't hear it when we had our first child, that when my son came into this world, he didn't say, oh, thank you, Mom, for holding me for nine months, for feeding me, for getting sick and, and, and being uncomfortable while you sleep, having to pee all the time, having to know if this food works. No. The first son, he didn't say that at all. When he came out the womb, wah. At the very core of our existence, we're a selfish. I, my son, he's four years old. Let me prove to you how selfish mainly my son is. Yesterday morning, my wife went to the store, got some orange juice, got two cans of cinnamon rolls. My son is a crackhead when it comes to cinnamon rolls. So we had 10 cinnamon rolls yesterday. He devoured two of them out of them. Before I could even get to it, he had two of them devoured. And as I walked into the living room with my two measly cinnamon rolls, he looked at me with the most disgust that I've ever seen. I said, what's, what's wrong, buddy? And he just shook his head. I said, what? I said, oh, can daddy not have cinnamon rolls? He said, no, those are mine. I said, all, all 10 of them are yours. You are a selfish, selfish son. By the end of last night, my son had eaten four cinnamon rolls and was begging for more before he went to bed. <laughs> We're very, very selfish as humans, and God knows that. And he says, you know what? I know and understand that when you're praying, it's hard to pray for somebody else when you yourself has that same need. Well, I have a need in my life, and then somebody else comes to you, and they have a need, and it's the same one. Well, God, you should probably answer mine first, and then answer theirs, answer theirs. So God makes it evident in this scripture right here. Go ahead and pray for yourself. Go ahead and pray for your needs, and go ahead and pray for your wants. In Philippians 4, verse 19, we've heard this scripture, and I talk about it even during offering. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you look that word supply up in the Greek, it talks about an over and abundance of what God wants to supply. It's not that he's holding anything back. It's not that he's just counting pennies to find out if he can meet your needs or not. It's an over and abundance of what he wants to bring to you. And he says he wants to supply your needs not according to your bank account, not according to your job, not according to your family status, where you live or what you drive. He said, let me take care of it. I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Because Jesus Christ paid such a high price for us, paid such a high price for us so that we could walk into this new covenant and all of the blessings and benefits that are a part of that new covenant. It says in the scriptures that in him, all the promises are yes and amen. And we just learned during the baby dedication what amen means, let it be. Just let it be. Yes and amen. Not maybe, not no. His promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. John 15, 7 through 8. This is Jesus speaking. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Sounds like a want to me. And it shall be done for you. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. God is glorified 
when you bear fruit in your life. When you bear godly fruit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit, godly seeds that you sow and that fruit is blossoming in your life, you're glorifying the Father. And it says that you are His disciple. Let's see something else that Jesus says. John 14, 13 through 14. It's a chapter before what we just read. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, just to reaffirm in case we didn't get it the first time he said it, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if you read this passage, it's about five or six chapters. This is Jesus right before he goes to the cross. They're having their last supper. They're having their Passover meal. He sent Judas out to go and do what he was supposed to do. And he's sitting and he's talking with his disciples right before he goes to the cross, right before he takes on the sin of the world. He starts explaining truths and revelations to his inner circle. These are things that I just want to get out to you. We've been traveling, we've been ministering, we've been doing all these things for three years. And if you read John chapter like 12 to 16, it's just Jesus almost vomiting just as much information as he can. He says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. If you ask anything in my name, he's just talking. If you get all the way to chapter 16 or 17, it says that Jesus then at the end of it all decides to pray. And it says he looks up to heaven and he says, the first thing that he says is, Father. And he prays for himself, supplication. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for future believers, intercession, which we'll talk about over the next coming weeks. That even Jesus in his pattern, he shows us what Paul is preaching in 1 Timothy. Now, if I'm a disciple at that time, and Jesus stands up and says this, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Peter does not have a problem holding his mouth. We, we can look in the Gospels and we can see that Peter likes to talk. Likes to try and reach out to Jesus and correct him. Hey, didn't you actually mean this? Um, you're, you're not going to die. I'll, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're saying. This would be a perfect time if I was a disciple to get up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, um, I know what you said, what you just said, um, but in the future, they're going to write a Bible, and they're going to highlight your words in red, so they're really going to stick out. Everybody's going to read that. And, and I don't know if what you just said, ask anything in your name, and you'll do it. I feel like that's a pretty big, bold, wide-open statement. So maybe you need to clarify that before um, we, we do the Bible and highlight your words in red. But Peter and his disciples say nothing at all. They just sit there and listen to the Father. And Jesus, just to make sure, says it twice in a row. This is how the Father is glorified. You ask in my name, I will do it. So let's see if this is true in the Gospels and in Jesus' life and how he interacted with humanity. So let's talk about needs if we're praying supplications, our needs, what I need, I need to eat, I need at least something over my head, I need a pillow of some magnitude so that I can sleep, need some food, just our basic needs. I need a little bit of money. 
We see in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, I don't have that, but up on the screen, we're not going to read it, but it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. Jesus is ministering to 5,000 men, not counting how many children and women are there, and the disciples come to him and said, hey, everybody's, they're real hungry. It's, uh, it's getting late. You've been preaching for a long time. See, even back then, people complained to the pastor about preaching a long time. And he said, people are getting hungry. And he says, okay, you feed them. He said, well, we, there's not enough money. Um, we got like a basket, a fish and chip combo. We've, uh, we, uh, we're really far away. And um, maybe if you could call down a Chick-fil-A from heaven, that would fix it right there, you know. I have a need and a want that Chick-fil-A needs to open up in Williston. Come on. I mean, can we, can we step out in faith and just believe, God, send us just one new restaurant, just one. That's all we need. And send us God's restaurant of Chick-fil-A. No, maybe not. I'll walk on that, that water by myself. But come on, Jesus. Just one new restaurant. We just asked for it. Jesus sees the need. They need food. They need nourishment. They're too far away. They'll get tired and weary when they try and go home. And Jesus says, all right, I'll meet that need. Well, all we have is this. Jesus says, that's all I need. It says that he gives thanks, and he just starts breaking it. And he puts it in the humanity's hands. And the disciples saw the miracle happen. As they broke the bread, the bread grew back. As they broke the bread, it grew back. All I have is a fragment of bread in my life, and I have a need. But God says, that need that's in your hand, let me do a miracle, and let me just multiply it. This is all I have. That's all I want. What other needs did Jesus meet? What about all the sick people that he healed? It says in the scriptures that Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. If there's sickness in your body, that's a need that is constantly in your mind of, I need healing. Uh, this hurts. This, this doesn't feel right. The doctor's saying that. That's a need, and Jesus just goes out there and starts healing people. Doesn't ask their history. Doesn't ask what church you go to. Doesn't ask how much you give. Doesn't ask who you are or whatever. He's be healed. What about the dead people that he raised? That's a pretty big need if we're breathing. I need to breathe. That's, that's kind of a priority. Jesus sees a funeral going by. With a mother weeping, he goes and puts his hand on the casket and raises that boy. Walks into a house where everyone is crying, where there's no faith, there's no belief that this woman, this girl can be raised. And he said, she's only sleeping. Raises her from the dead. Everyone is crying. There's a man who is loved in a community and he's been dead for many, many days. And it says that Jesus walks up to the tomb and says, roll the tomb away. And he looks up to heaven and he prays again. He says, Father, I speak so that your people can hear because I know that you hear everything that I say. Lazarus, come forth. That's a pretty big need that he met. Just from feeding people that needed food, putting breath back into the dead. We have ample evidence to see that Jesus only did what God told him to do, and that was meeting needs. Now let's talk about wants. Let's talk about our desires. I need a car, and that would be great if God gave me 
1970 Chevy that can get me from here to there, but a want or a desire is, well, I would like a newer car of this make and model in this year. I need a house. I need this in my life. I need to be free from this in my mind. I need to be this or that. But God says, I want to meet that need, but I also want to go a step further and be the God of abundance and fulfill your heart's desire. Let's see some miracles of Jesus fulfilling wants. The very first miracle that Jesus did was water to wine. He, throws, he shows up to a party and then brings the party to a brand new level after they had been partying for a long time. That Jesus shows up with his entourage. Judas, did you bring the gift? You've got the money. You didn't bring the gift. All right, this is a good start to the ministry. Uh, let's just kind of hang out in the corner and see what happens. And hey, nice to meet you. And then his mom walks up. Hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Take care of it. And he said, woman, what, what are you telling me to do? And she, not even paying attention to her son, not even walks over to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And does Jesus complain? Does Jesus say? He says, well, because there's a principle here, there's a principle here. God responds to faith. God responds to the scriptures and the faith declarations that we say. Just fill the water pots. And Jesus said, it's not my time. It's not my time to do miracles right now. But because the faith was pulled upon, he had to respond. He said, fill the pots. They go and they fill these pots. They could have filled one pot, just one. It says that they were well drunk. They had been partying and drinking, having a great time for days. He could have said, fill half a pot. Let's not get crazy at this party. They fill six or seven pots. And then he scoops it out and says, bring it to the main person. Brings it. Hey, have a sip. He says, normally in a wedding, you bring out your best stuff first, but you have saved the best for last. Here is a God of abundance. Not only does he meet the need, we ran out of something, we need you to take care of it. He now goes into a want. He goes, oh, okay, you have a need of some wine. Let me go ahead and fill seven pots of it and then also make it the best tasting wine you've ever tasted in your life. That would be God meeting a want. What about Peter walking on the water? There is no reason for any time, I guess unless you're drowning, to be able to walk on the water. There's just no need for it. But Peter says, if that's you, Lord, walking on the water, I want to have a Bible experience bid me to come. Jesus, all about the miracles, all about not a big deal, come. Oh, boy, that was a mistake. Oh, goodness. All the disciples are like, that's you, man. Go ahead. Let's see this. We ain't throwing you no life preserver. All right, you said come. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all right, Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. A want was instantly met. But then all of a sudden his mind, like our minds do, where all of a sudden... A miracle starts happening, God starts moving, God starts doing something in our lives, and we instantly shut it out. Oh, that's not God. 
God wouldn't want me to do this. God wouldn't. That's not. And it says he starts sinking. But God doesn't. Jesus in that moment when he sees him doubting doesn't let him go to the bottom. Well, it serves you right, Peter. I told you to come. You should have believed. It says as soon as he starts sinking, Jesus was there. Pulled him back up. Rescued him because that is grace. That is the message of grace right there. And it says he brings him back into the boat. And as soon as they get back into the boat, it says all the disciples fall on their knees and start worshiping their Savior. Because God's in the business of meeting our needs and our wants. What about the last miracle that Jesus does in John? Peter has left, denied Jesus, tells, his disciples, tells the disciples, I'm going fishing. I'm going back. I've had this amazing encounter with God. We've had these great years of ministry. He denies Jesus. He says, it's over. I'm done. I'm going back to what used to satisfy me. How many times in our life when we start stepping out in faith and believing and we don't see the answer that we want or we feel like we sin or slip or fall that we go back to what's comfortable we go back to what makes us feel okay Peter goes and fishes and doesn't catch a thing how annoyed could Peter be he's already frustrated in his spirit that he's denied his savior He's always, he already thinks that he's out of ministry. He already thinks that Jesus hates him. He's, he's already, and he goes back to the one thing that he used to love. He was a fisher of fish, and he was called to be a fisherman, and he can't even succeed in that. And Jesus shows up. And I feel like reading the scriptures from my perspective is a little sarcastic. Jesus says, hey, have you, you caught anything? Hey, guys, you catch anything? Why don't you, why don't you, sorry for my voice cracking right there. Um, <laughs> I'm still growing up into a boy. Uh, why don't you throw it on the other side? Just throw your net on the other side. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But faith, when we hear faith things, it doesn't compute with our normal mind and our thinking. That God can heal, God can restore, that God can save Throw it on the other side, and they pull up fish. But the Bible makes it very specific to say that it was 153 large fish. He could have put one fish in that net, and that would have been a miracle. But that's not our God. He meets our needs. He's a God of over and abundance and wants to meet our wants. Hey, you need some fish? Here's 153 large fish. I'm almost done. We see in the scriptures and we see in the life of Jesus that as we pray, as we pray these prayers of supplication, it is okay for us to ask for God to meet our needs and also to meet our wants. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age. Now here's the statement, because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want to encourage you today, as you pray for your needs, as you pray for your wants, in our prayers we usually put a time restriction on it. And when that time restriction ends, well, God hates me. 
God doesn't love me. He's not meeting. He, he said no. He doesn't. Because we put this timetable. But look at what Sarah did. It says she was past her time. There was no way that her body should be able to bear a seed and have a baby. But even in the natural, even in the flesh, it says that she judged him faithful who had promised. That whatever you're praying for today in your own personal life, find a promise in the scripture to stand on and you judge him faithful. Many of times in my life, I've gone to God and said, you know what, I don't see this scripture in my life, but you said it. You said that by Jesus' stripes, I am already healed. I might not see the healing in my physical body right now, but I'm going to judge you faithful on the promise that you gave. I'm going to keep standing and believing and believing and believing. It doesn't matter what happens in the natural. By faith, the substance of things is hope for the evidence of things not seen. Just because I don't see it yet doesn't mean he's not answering. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep declaring. I'm going to keep standing that God wants to meet our wants and our needs. Because I'm going to go ahead and judge him faithful for what he's promised me. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of faith. I mean, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. He's not holding anything back from you. He's trying to get it to you, and it will be given to him. Here we go. But let him ask in faith. What else? With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Now, this is a truth that James is writing in regards to wisdom. But you can also plug in your wants or needs right there. If any of you lacks healing, let him ask of God. If any of you lacks faith, if any of you lacks this or lacks that, it's something that James is teaching us on how to ask God for something in our lives. If you lack anything, let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And how will it be given to him? Why will it be given to him? Because you asked in faith. And here's the big thing that we struggle with, things that I sometimes struggle with. No doubting, with no doubting. Oh, come on, God, give me, give me a little doubting. With no doubting. Because it goes back to the previous scripture. We have to believe inside of our heart and be resolute and judge him faithful for his promise. That's how you're not doubting. You said it, God. So if you said it, you're giving it liberally to all of us so it can be for me. I've seen you do it in their lives. I've seen you do it in that church life. I've seen you do it in that family life. But I'm judging you faithful that you'll do it in my life. I need to see it happen in my life. And as I finish... I just want to share with y'all sometimes that God has answered prayers in my life. As I sat through this week and, and thought and prayed through this sermon, I just started sitting and thinking of times that God had answered prayers in my life. When I was 9 or 10 years old, my family, we were homeschooled, and my dad got the opportunity to go to Florida to work. We, being homeschooled, got to pack up everything and go to Florida uh, for the whole month of Thanksgiving, November, um, when I was about nine years old. We knew we were going to Florida, 
And in our minds, me and my older brother's mind, as soon as you crossed the border of Florida, you were in Disneyland. That's, that's all I knew. I knew that Disney was in Florida, and as soon as it said, welcome to Florida, Mickey was right there with all the ears and all. I just, that's what we thought. And so we told mom and dad, we're going to Disneyland. And mom and dad said, uh, okay. Um, and as parents do, they said, well, you need to pray about it, which means we didn't have any money. And uh, they were trying to figure out how we were going to go. So me and my brother started praying. We get to Florida, and my dad finds out that his company, at the beginning, was not going to pay, but decided to pay for his mileage. We lived in Louisiana. We drove from Louisiana to St. Augustine, Florida. And because of that extra money that came in, I went to Magic Kingdom on Thanksgiving Day. I went to MGM Studios. I went to NASA, and I went to Universal Studios. God answered my need, but gave me a want. I learned that at the age of nine. As we got older, a year or two later, me and my brother decided, we want, a, we want another sibling. Mom and dad, being similar to Abraham and Sarah, uh, said, you're going to have to go and pray about that. We said, okay, we'll go pray for a sibling. We prayed. I have a younger brother who's 10 years younger than me. Mom and dad got pregnant. Prayers work when you have childlike faith. As I grew older and I went to Bible school, my mom, my whole life, had prayed and told me, I'm praying for my daughter-in-laws. And I would always ask my mom, well, is she hot? I don't know what you're praying. Like, I've got I've to, like, find out what you're praying because I know that God will answer so whatever you're praying, because mom would always be like, she's a godly woman. Uh, she's going to love the scriptures and just all these different things. And I'm like, okay, I, those are awesome. Those are, thank you. Um, but just throw in hot. Just, just throw in that one word for me. So we, I get to Bible school, and I had dated a couple of girls, but I always knew in the back of my mind, I heard my mom's voice saying, I'm praying for your daughter-in-law my daughter-in-law, and these are the things that she has to be, and as I would start pursuing a relationship with someone, I'd be like, okay, you're not it, you're not, <laughs> all right, see you later, but the thing was, even if she was attractive, she wasn't those things that my mom had been praying for, I said, okay, that, you're not it, then I got to Bible school, and I said, you know what, I'm ready, I'm ready to get married, um, if you knew me in Bible school, uh, I needed somebody to, to come partner with me and, and help me, really, just help me. And I started praying for my wife. Didn't know who she was, didn't know Maddie at the time. And I just started praying, God, wherever my wife is, I know that you have a wife for me. I know that she's out there. Father, just protect her. Just bless her, Father. Give her a job. Give her the finances that she needs. If she's with a bum of a man, then kick that guy out the way. Move him. Don't let him hurt her. Father, let her draw close to you. Let her fall in love with you. And I just started praying to God about my wife who I had no idea who she was or the existence of her, but I knew that she was out there. And not long after that, Madeline Collins walked into my life. And we started a relationship. We started growing with each other and finding out that, hey, this could, this could really turn into something. And there was a time where a pastor came to me and he said, what, what's going on with you and Maddie? I was just hanging out. I don't, I don't know. He said, are you going to marry her? And I was like, I, I don't know. That's, a, that's, kind of, that's a scary question. And he said, well, if you're not, not going to marry her, if your intent is not to marry her, then why are you with her? You're with somebody else's wife, and you need to get rid of her. 
said, but I, I like her. I, she's, she's, she. He said, well, you need to pray. He said, y'all need to pray and find out if y'all are supposed to be together. And if y'all are supposed to be together, get married. And if not, then move on. So we got together, and I said, hey, babe, this is a little weird. I like you. We're, you know, we're hanging out. But we need to pray and find out if this is going to, if this is going somewhere. And if it is, then, baby, let's get married. <laughs> so we took the weekend, she being way more spiritual than me, went to bed that night. It was like a Thursday night or Friday night. She had a dream. God told her I was the one. And, I mean, obviously, God told her I was the one. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and um, God told her. So then I'm like fasting and praying um, the whole weekend. I'm just like, God, you've got to say something, please. Mainly say yes, but just say whatever. And I was in my dorm room at the time, and I was laying prostrate on the floor, and I had some worship music playing, and I had my computer in front of me on that dirty, stinky, moldy carpet. And I'm just laying there, and I'm praying, God, show me. Show me. If she's the one, then show me what to do. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to harm her in any way. I like her. We're, 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 we're compatible. It seems like it can be the right thing. And God just started speaking to me. And as he started speaking to me, I just stretched my hands out to my computer, and I just started typing. When I got done typing, I, I read what God had told me. And he said, Maddie is a treasure. He's, she's my treasure. And you take care of her. You treat her like the jewel that I see her as. And she's your wife. Well, glory be to God. I started walking. I said, baby, let's get together and talk. And we got together in the car, and we drove out to a park somewhere. And I just sat there, and I thought, in my mind, I'll be honest, I started doubting. I said, what if God told her no? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What, what happened? And I said, all right, on the count of three, we're going to say yes or no. You can tell me this. And I said, if uh, whatever the answer is, we'll, we'll decide here. I said, one, two, two and a half, <laughs> negative one, three. And we both said yes. And soon after that, that was, I don't even know when, Super Bowl Sunday is when I bought the engagement ring, proposed to her on the beach here, and we got married October 1st, 2011. We proposed in, what, March or something like that? Less than six months. Um, but God answered that. We were in Dallas, and I was serving my pastor there. And we'd been working. We'd been helping out at the church. Maddie was pregnant for our first son. I was in part of a job that, that wasn't working out. Maddie was working, but she was close to, close to um, having the child. So she had to quit her job. And she was still working a little bit, but the job that I was a part of was, was, uh, was just not a good place to be. And I, I stepped away from the job. I said, you know what? God is going to provide. He's going to give me a new job. He knows, he knows my heart. He knows that we need a job. She's about to quit her job, and God's going to take care of it. I'm believing in faith, stepping out. I'm going to quit this job. She's still making some money. She's got about a month left. I'm going to find a job. God's going to show up. Start applying. Start talking to people. Crickets. Maddie has to quit her job because she's a month away from having the baby. Now there's no money coming in. We're three, four, five months in. At this time, my pastor is getting me more involved in the church, and he says, you know what? I want you to get up and take the offering every Sunday and Wednesday. And I said, well, pastor, I don't have a job. I don't have any money. 
I have no finances. I, I don't know if you want me to be the spokesperson uh, for financial giving and tithing. He said, no, you need to be up there. Share as many scriptures as you can. I said, yes, sir. I was unemployed for 10 months. And there were many times I was in the shower crying, talking to God, saying, I'm judging you faithful to your promises. You said you're going to meet my needs, and we need our needs met. You said you're going to meet our wants, and we need jobs. We need to provide for my family. Family, I can't tell you right now, and me and Maddie can't even tell you how it happened. But for those 10 months, I never ran out of gas. I always had food, and my bills were always paid. And then God provided me a job that I've been working at for four years. I've been working for a corporate office. I told them I was leaving to come take over this church here. And they made a way for me to work from home. They said, we want you to stay with the company. One of the first people that, that have been allowed to work from home. Not just work from home, but work like six states away. I've had a time to, to f- f- just foster a relationship with my boss. My boss has started coming to church, and he's usually listening. So, Sean, if you're listening, I love you. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And God provided me with a job that can provide for our family. And as I step into this church and as I step into this community and into this place, I don't have to be burdened by trying to figure out my finances. I have a job. I've got two things left. If you can just keep hearing some testimony, if it helps build your faith. Us being here at the beginning of the year. I was praying to God in the shower. God speaks to me in the shower. We talk in the shower. I can say whatever I want while the, while the water's going. Uh, I can cry in the shower because it's just it's water. Nobody knows. Now y'all all know, so um, it's neither here nor there. Um, hopefully I'm not the only one that does that. But I'm talking with God, and he's speaking to me about some things that were supposed to happen this year that were going on. And he told me, he said, it's time. I said, well, glory be to God. What's it time for? Let me hear what you have for the church, for the community, for our lives. He said, it's time for you to have a second child. I said, whoa, I rebuke the devil there. It's not time to have a second child. He said, it's time to have a second child. He said, because there's something important about your son being involved in the ministry and your daughter fostering that ministry and helping support that ministry. He told me some other things, and I said, okay. So I kind of get out the shower and, hey, honey, um, God's been talking to me, and my wife, being more spiritual than me, she said, I know, God has been telling me about our child that we're supposed to have. I'm just waiting on you. (laughs) Oh, okay, well, that's, a couple weeks after that, we find out we're pregnant. God told me in the shower that it was going to be a girl. I only got a 50-50 shot, but I'll believe you, God. I'll hold you faithful to that. We go to the sonogram, and Eliza Jane, is that what we're going with? Eliza Lee, Eliza Jane Land is going to be born in the middle of October. Just like God said, the daughter's on the way. We were, I have so many more to share. This is the last one I'll share, and I'll shut up. The, we moved here. This is, this is really how you know it's from God that God called us here. Um, is because we moved here and we had nowhere to live and we had to move in with our in-laws. And we lived with them, thankfully, so much uh, for six months 
as we tried to find a house and try to figure out what to do. And we put offers on houses here, and we searched, and we looked, and we couldn't find anything here. And we were trying to expand and go to a bigger town or go somewhere else. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to be far away from the town. If God's called me to the town, I want to live in the town. I want to, I want to have property in the town. I want to be able to have the authority of having the property here. So I want to find something here. And we started looking, and we found a house that we thought was the place that we were supposed to be put an offer in, and, and we had a lot of, lot of issues, to be honest, to, to try and resolve, to figure out how to get that house. But it was close by to her parents' house, and we would walk, and we would go run to the house, and we would walk the property, and we would pray over it. God, we love this house. We love this piece of property. We think that it can be used for your glory. We think it can be a peaceful place for people in the congregation to come, that it can be a place of refuge and peace, Father. And if this is the property that you have for us, then in Jesus' name, we declare it. We ask you to go forth and take care of all the issues, resolve what needs to be done. We want this. It's our need. It's our want. It's our desire. You make a way, Father. We signed the papers for that house that we believed for and stood for in February. We moved in around Easter. And it's been such a blessing and such a property that people can come in from different parts of our world and stay there and be blessed by it. Those are needs and wants that I've seen personally in my life. And if you just sit and talk with people here and hear about the prayers that they've had and the prayers that they've been answered, if you just ask the congregation, let's talk with Ms. Fortner, hearing the prayers that God has answered in your life, the healings and the manifestations and the security and the things, Joe and Larry and the healings in their lives, Jim and Karen, talking with Mr. Jim about prayer throughout the week and that God healed his wife of cancer, healed it, healed it of cancer, that each and every one of us have stories that we have of prayers that have been answered, and now here is a step that we can take in our prayer walk. That you can step out and believe that God not only wants to answer your needs, he also wants to answer your wants. I see this over and over in the scriptures, and I want and I pray that I have these Bible experiences, that you have these Bible experiences, that you go out, like it says in the scriptures, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just take my word at it. Go out there and taste and see that the Lord is good. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about the prayers that God wants you to pray. Now, God says, hey, I want you to pray for what you need, but the very next step that we're going to do is you need to pray the things that I want you to pray. And we're going to see that in the scripture. The week after that, we're going to talk about intercession, how to pray for others. The week after that, we're going to pray about how you pray thankfully, to have a thankful heart with thanksgiving. Giving of thanks is the biggest key to our prayer life. That's what we'll finish with. Amen. Are you blessed? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are meeting our needs and our wants as we bring our supplications to you this week, Father, that you hear our prayers and you respond to those prayers, Father. We thank you that you have given us another tool to add to our prayer tool belt, that we're going to put this hammer of praying for supplication in our prayer tool belt, and we're going to use it, Father. We're going to go out there and we're going to pray, and we're going to see you move in our lives. We have needs and we have wants, and you said in your scriptures, to ask, and you'll give it to us, Father. So we're going to ask this week. We're just going to ask for it, and we're going to believe in faith, not doubting. We're going to judge you faithful to what you've promised this week, Father. 
Father, you know that there are needs here, Father. There are people who aren't here today because of sickness. Father, we lift them up right now in their room where they're at, and we say, by Jesus' stripes, they are healed. We come against you, sickness. We say that you cannot be in their bodies anymore. Their body is the temple of the Most High God, and therefore sickness and disease cannot reside in that temple. So where they're at right now, give them rest. Give them nourishment. Give them strength in their bodies. Father, I think that everyone here is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. The favor of God surrounds us like a shield, and your scripture says everything we put our hands to must prosper. Finally, Father, I think that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. They are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. We will go out and share our testimony because we know when we share our testimony, we defeat the devil. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So God, use us this week to encourage someone, to bless somebody, to lay our hands on the sick, to cast out demons, and to invite people to church. So Father, bless your people. Cause them to prosper in everything they do this week. Bring them back safely, Father. And Father, we just lift up all the prayers and needs that are affected by the people that are affected by this hurricane. God, just move right now. There is a drastic need all across this nation where this hurricane has affected people. And God, just move your angels, send your people, send your relief, send your missionaries, send what you need to go out and be a blessing to help these people that are in need. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.